Well, welcome again. I'm excited to close out this series that we are doing called This Is Us based off the popular TV drama that is out. And we've looked at um, marriage from uh, the perspective of a wife, from the perspective of a husband. And this morning we're going to look at parenting. And how cool is it, how apt is it to see Richard Mell up here dedicating themselves to seek to form an environment conducive to allowing Caleb and Evelyn to know Jesus. And I mean, that's that's what it's all about. And so I'm really excited to conclude this series and talk about parenting. And there's a couple of reasons. One, because I feel like I'm a somewhat intentional parent. So I usually have a reason for what I do and why I do it and think through and have a vision for how you could create how I can seek to try and create that environment in my own home. But also, too, I'm acutely aware that I'm a very imperfect parent who sometimes does not show my daughter, Maya, and my son, Benjamin, the truth of the love and the grace of their true parent, their heavenly father, God the Father. Sometimes I mess up and I don't reflect an accurate reality of who God is to them. But isn't it good to know, family, that even in the midst of our weaknesses, the areas we lack in, that that can point us to the good news that Jesus never has or never will lack? Isn't that good news? That in the midst of our failing, that he is perfect. So before we moved up to Jackson in 2009, we attempted to plant a church. What that means is start a church in the inner city of Milwaukee. We were off 36th and National near South Side. Um, it was great. And so when we were in this house, Maya was already a little bit older, but Ben was still pretty young. And I'm going to have this picture sh- thrown up there, Gary, please. And someone tell me what this is. What's what's the woman wearing? Yep, not a trick question. She's wearing a sling. And here's the deal. When I Googled this to try and find this image, I found like 33 million women and I found two males. You know why that is? I'll tell you because of this story I'm going to say. Men aren't supposed to wear these babies, okay? At least this man wasn't supposed to wear this puppy. Now, maybe I need to grow in my masculinity, but I'm like, can I just use duct tape? Because I don't really want to work this thing in public, Okay. And so anyways, my wife was like, I said, I'm going to wear it in the house, but I don't want to wear it outside. So I did wear it in the house. And one particular time I wore it in the house and I had my probably six month old baby boy, Benjamin, in this sling. But I'm not a natural with this thing. It's all awkward and it's all forced. And I've got this sling on. I've got Ben and I'm trying to scooch him up where his head is like protruding from the sling rather than being smothered in there. Right. And I'm trying to scooch him up. And it was working until something terribly went wrong. And I scooched him up, but I also scooched Ben out of the sleigh. And so Libby's upstairs. I'm downstairs. It is a carpeted room, but there must have been some sort of boom. And I hear from upstairs, did you just drop Ben? And I'm like, "Uh, no, stupid sleigh. (laughs) This is us. Right? This is us. Imperfect parents seeking to point our kids to the perfect parent, the father. And this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to look at parenting and we're going to start in a passage that a guy named Paul, an early Christ follower who is a leader, wrote to some Christ followers in the city of Ephesus, so the book of Ephesians. So if you would like to turn to Ephesians chapter 6 with me, Ephesians chapter 6, and that's going to be on page 814 in your Bibles, actually 813. Ephesians chapter 6, we're going to start in verses 1 through 4 here and see how we can seek to not spiritually drop our kids, so to speak. Ephesians chapter 4, 6, 
verses 1 to 4. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment, with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and in the instruction of the Lord. And now, fam, you might be here this morning and you're like, this is sweet. Like, this is going to talk about how our kids need to obey us. This is great. This is my kind of parenting. I could dig on this, right? And uh, we, we are going to talk about this in some sense. But really what, what I want to flesh out is why um, our kids don't obey. Rather than how we can make them obey, I want to kind of conjecture why maybe our kids don't obey. Because I think it might not be too different than us as sons and daughters of the Father. And why we either seek to obey Him or don't obey Him. Now, verse 1, it states that kids are to obey their parents in the Lord, for this is right. It then on goes, it goes on to reinforce this by saying the fifth commandment, think the ten commandments, affirms this. And if you do this, if you honor your father and mother, behind door number three is long life. And to give you a little context, this commandment and these commandments were written to the Jewish people in what's part of a broader thing called the law. And that law contained blessings if you follow God, that law contained curses if you didn't follow God. But it's a little bit different for us as Christ followers here today because we don't live under the law like the Jewish people. Because when Jesus came, he perfectly fulfilled the law. And in fact, he he summed it up kind of what we're going to look at later into two laws, love God and love your neighbor. So what that means is if you're here, kids, students, young people, and, and you know, you seek to honor your mom and God, it's not automatically, boom, God, genie gives you long life. Or if you don't, you're, you're smat and you get a short life. It's different for us today. That's for free, but here's where we're going with this. Imagine yourself, you're a parent here this morning. Many of you are in this room. Okay, imagine yourself, you were a parent when your kids were growing up. Imagine if you're not a parent, imagine yourself as a parent here this morning. Raise your hand if you're in that situation, if you would like your kids to obey you. If you don't have your hand up, you're just like, I'm not participating or you're lying. Okay, it's one of the two. But we would all want our kids to obey us. When we would say something, we would want them to do what we would say. And I I wonder if it's not really any different in the mind of God the Father and us as his kids through faith in Jesus Christ, that he would want us to obey him. But why? Why do we? Why do we seek to obey him? Why do we not? Because I think it's probably the same with our kids. And I think there are various reasons why we may seek to, but I want to hit on one, one and two aspects of that that I think maybe aren't the most healthy. First, maybe we obey God because we fear him in an unhealthy manner. We, we fear him. Like, if we don't do what he says, no soup for us, off with our head, off with our head, Alakazam, you're a Vikings fan. Like, if we don't obey him, bad things are going to happen. He's this cosmic spiritual police officer. And family, how we see God, how we view God, is going to affect how we parent our own kids. How, how we view God is going to bleed over into how we either point people towards an accurate picture of who God is or point them away from God. I remember when I was growing up, I was raised by my mom mostly. Dad was in and out of my life. You guys have heard this story mostly out. So I was raised by my mom mostly. And for a long period of time, we lived in an apartment in Shakopee, Minnesota, where the movie Cars, right? It talks about Shakopee. 
So we raised in Shakopee, Minnesota, and we came into this two-bedroom apartment. You would enter the door, and here's the kitchen, and uh, in front of that is the dining room. On this side, you've got the living room, and then you've got the hallway with the bathroom to the left and two bedrooms, right? Well, when, my, when I was growing up, uh, you know, I was a handful, we'll say. My grandma used to call me a dubismi einer, which if you know German is you army one. You're like a little stinker, right? And I was a quick stinker. So when I got in trouble, and I don't mean just like little trouble, when I got in bad trouble, my mom had this little plastic bat. Now, I'm not, this was not child abuse, okay? So don't read it that way. I'm not making light of that. But when I needed a spanking, like I was really off, she would try and run and catch me as I went in circles around my living area. But like I said, I was quick. So I gave her a run for her money. I needed more fear in me than I had. Right? I didn't have any healthy fear. I didn't respect my mom, and thus I didn't obey my mom. And my mom was a great mom, just so that we can have that on tape in case she's listening and that you know, right? But some of us think that God is continually armed, like with this little plastic bat, and it's just waiting for us to mess up so we stay in line because we're afraid of that. Or maybe our kids are afraid of us in that same manner. Maybe they think of us primarily as parental police officers, waiting to nail them to the wall when they mess up. And see, if this is how our kids view us as parental police, we're missing something in the very character of God and how we view God. Jeff Vanderstelt, who's a pastor, says, however we treat others is how we believe that God has treated us. So somewhere in our view of God, if we're kind of this parental police officer who his goal is to instill fear in our kids, to make them obey us by controlling and fear and shame and all of that, somehow we're, our view of God is off. And I can just tell you from experience that when we act this way, our kids might obey us because they don't feel like they have a choice, but they're going to obey us when we're present. And when we can enact the consequences or whatever it is, right? When we can instill the fear or whatever, the control. But it's not a chosen obedience. It's a forced obedience. And I wonder if our kids view us this way as these parental police officers, if it's because we have an inaccurate view of God. That God's just this cosmic police officer waiting to bust us. Waiting to nail us, throw us into jail when we mess up. And if this is where you find yourselves here this morning, I don't usually do this, but I'm just going to stop and I'm going to pray for a moment a couple times during my message. So, Father, I pray that if anyone finds themselves, or maybe in their history, that's where they found themselves as they reflect back. Father, one, I pray that you would show them that you offer forgiveness, that their and my lacking is covered by no lacking in Jesus Christ. But oh God, I pray too, I pray that they would see your boundless, how wide and tall and long and deep is the love of the Father shown in the person and work of Jesus. Father, I pray that it would penetrate their heart and my heart so that we would not be a parental police officer, so that we would not be uh, a parental um, kind of just lawgiver or fear monger, but Father, that we would be able to point our kids to you. Now, conversely, 
That's one side. I think it's unhealthy if, if our kids obey only because they're afraid of us. And I'm not saying we don't have consequences. I'm not saying we don't have choices. I think you know where I'm going with that. Conversely, though, I think there's another side that where there is no fear in the sense of no respect, and that's also not healthy. And so we think in the sense that we, as sons and daughters of God, we run the show, so we don't respect him enough. And then equally in society, you know, our kids seem to run the show. You know, they control the situation. And here's why I think some parents have kind of shifted over to this, where there isn't any really fear or respect of parents by the kids. We're a pendulum society, aren't we? So I think about my mom's generation, and I think about the way my grandpa parented, and that would definitely be in this first category I just described, like to the extreme. Okay, and so they had sayings in that generation, children are to be seen not, you know, grandpa would come home from work, you know, get off his work clothes, grab something to drink, get in the recliner, and you do not disrupt grandpa, right? And so I think we, we, we look, my generation or other generations look at that and say, okay, there's some unhealth there. <laughs> That's maybe not what God intended for parenting. And then we swing the pendulum way over to the other side here, though. Way over to the other side where there isn't respect, where there isn't a healthy fear. And what I mean by that is respect. And so then the kids rule the roost. Life around, revolves around them. Proverbs 9.10 states this. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. See, if our kids can learn to fear God in the sense of respecting Him, not in the sense of cowering in fear of Him, but respecting Him, I think that they're going to learn to respect us too. I'm currently going through Proverbs. Uh, Every other night, when I put my daughter down, we read from the Scriptures, usually a chapter, sometimes less, depends on how tired I am being real, keeping it 100, as Gary Ellerson says. Listen to Proverbs, Proverbs 1.1. 1, 1. Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for attaining wisdom and discipline, for understanding words of insight. Chapter 2, verse 1, my son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you. Chapter 3, my son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart. Chapter 4, listen, my son, to a father's instruction, pay attention and gain understanding. See, our kids need to understand the place that God has given us in their lives. And so what I will do is periodically I'll process through with my kids. I didn't used to do this because I thought that it was like harsh, but it's not harsh. It's true. I'll process through with my kids that their disobedience is, of, of us is really disobedience to God. Because God has put us in their life as chapter 6 of Ephesians verse 4 says to train and instruct them in the Lord. Now, hear me clearly. This isn't like when you're training a puppy and, you know, or whoever, I've never done this, but you're training a puppy and they mess up, they go to the bathroom and you rub their nose in it. That's not what I'm talking about here, right? But what I am saying is that we process in a serious manner that God has put us in your life to love you, to train you, to instruct you, to hopefully seek to follow God. And here's the deal. Some of you might be there this morning and think, that's not loving. This like, I, I don't know what you're talking about. But if they don't learn to respect me, who else are they not going to respect in their life in the future? Bosses, currently or in the future, teachers, spouses, coaches, and who ultimately even? God, right? 
See, I think there is some level of a healthy fear, and when I say that, I mean respect and obeying out of that respect. I mean, this is no different than we see in the life of Jesus. Jesus is about to die, and he says, Father, if there's any other way, I want out. He didn't say that, but that's basically what he said. But then after that, because of his love for, because of his respect for God the Father, he said, but not my will, but yours be done. We have a child who um, should be a lawyer when they grow up because they're excellent, excellent at debating. I'm sure I'm not alone in this, right? There are others who have excellent debaters. And the apple didn't far from, fall far from the tree, unfortunately, with me. And so I regularly have to remind my child, hey, you know what? I will dialogue. I will discuss. We can talk about this. After what? After you obey. <laughs> After you obey, you know, we can talk about the, the ins and outs and the whatever of this, but we're, we're not going to have this, and then if you decide that it's good, then you'll do it, right? Like, we, we need to have some respect here. If we find ourselves in a situation where we feel like our kids are leading us rather than our kids, uh, us leading our kids, I wonder if it means that for us there's not enough respect for God in our own view. Right, I wonder if it means that he doesn't hold enough weight in our own lives, that we kind of view him as the hang loose, God, anything goes, really not any expectations or responsibilities that when we follow him and then we live that out in our parenting. Could it mean that he doesn't hold enough weight in your life or my life? Because if we see God as this, then it's going to impact the way we parent too. And maybe we won't ask for or call for respect from our own kids towards us as moms, towards us as dads. And so if, if this is where you, you find yourself here this morning too, I, I just want to stop and I want to pray for you and, and pray for me again. So Father, if we find ourselves in not the place where of kind of parental police, but kind of this idea that society says of parental anything goes and kind of the kids rule the roost, Father, I pray that you would give us courage. I pray that you would give us confidence. I pray that you would give us a healthy respect uh, of you, for fear of you is the beginning of knowledge, of understanding, knowledge of the Holy One. So, Father, I pray that you would enable us to have, allow you to have weight in our hearts and our minds, to have weight in our lives, not so that we can control our kids, but through parenting them with intentionality and training and instructing them, we could point them past us to you. Now, we're going to kind of shift here. If, if we want our kids to obey us, which we all raised our hands, there are going to have to be some things that they know about us, that they believe about us, that they see lived out in our lives. What would that be? If we want our kids to obey, and I'm not talking all the time. I mean, that's unrealistic. That's how they learn by not. That's how we learn with God by not. But if we want that, what are they going to have to see in our lives? What are they going to have to know about our hearts to be true? And you can talk to me about this. If you answer all at once, though, it's going to be too much. They need to see me obeying God or us obeying God. Okay, what else? They need to see fairness. Okay, not favoritism. What else? Trust. They need to be able to trust us in the same way we need to be able to trust God the Father, okay? What else? 
grace. Yeah, so they need to see that, you know, we don't necessarily always give them what they deserve, but we give them what they don't deserve in the same way that God's given us what we don't deserve in Jesus Christ. Yeah, and I wonder if there's one other. Those are all great, and I think those are all true, but they, they need to see love. And I wonder if the most powerful thing in any relationship, whether it be a parent or a child, a child to a parent, a friendship, a, a marriage, is this aspect of the character of God of love. See, our kids, they're, they're not really different than us as adults. We're all fairly perceptive people, aren't we? And in a relationship, we can tell when someone loves us or when they just say that they love us. I mean, our, in our extended family, we have an extended family member who who's, doesn't mean we shouldn't, but it's, they're difficult to love. And the reason that they're difficult to love isn't because they don't say, hey, Ryan, um, you know, I love you. Hey, let Ben and Maya know that I love them. They say that, but they don't back it up in actions. They talk about love without living out love. Turn with me, last passage, to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. If you're following along in these Bibles, that's 846. We're going to read verses 16 through 21. 16 through 21. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. In this way, love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment because in this world we are like him. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he's a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And he's given us this command, whoever loves God must also love his brother. And when you break it down, the the building blocks for training and instructing our kids in the Lord to where hopefully they'll one day choose to follow him themselves in these short 18-ish years that we have is is training them in the love of God. And I mean, we could apply that in a hundred different ways, but we need to come back to that time and time again, because I'm convinced more than ever that we never graduate from the school of the love of God. Like it's not elementary, it's not something we move past to something deeper or or, or better. We never graduate from the school of the love of God. We're perpetual students in it. So I'm on a field trip with one of my children. I have to be careful. One of my children the other day, right? And we're in a situation where I'm a chaperone to a group of their classmates. At, At one point, my child comes over to my group. And, uh, you know, there's this kid who's been in my group who is a classmate of theirs. And this kid's been cracking me up all day. He's kind of like all over the place, kind of super impulsive and just this fun, loving kid. And so my child comes over and I'm talking about this kid. And I say, yeah, I really like them. And my child says, yeah, they're annoying. I'm in X class with them. And so I'm like, you can't say that. Like, you can't do that. (laughs) Why not? They know what I've told them. Needless to say, we process through how 1 Corinthians 13 says love is not rude, right? But not just because I want a well-mannered moral child because I want a child who loves and advocates for people in the same way that Jesus even does now. Love and advocates for us to the Father. When it's dinner time, when it's dinner time and and the, the stuff is served, the food is served, and they're clamoring to take the best 
first for themselves. Rather than serve mom, serve dad, serve each other in love, we have a conversation on how Jesus calls us in love to serve one another because in love he served us while we were still sinners. When there are neighbor issues or or, or friend issues, and of course it's the other person's fault, 100%, right? I mean, clearly. When there are neighbor issues or there are friend issues, we process through praying for that person and choosing to love them even though they don't feel like they deserve it because Jesus loved us especially when we didn't deserve it. When my child asks me about different jobs and and how much they make because they're nervous that being adult is going to be hard and they want to drive a Dodge Charger. But when they ask me how much different jobs make, we talk about it and we talk about how we can trust God to meet our needs and we pray together. When our children are nervous because they have a group project and there's four people in this project and they feel like they've put forth all their effort but other students have not they have slacked and so this is going to affect their grade and in affecting their grade it's going to affect their identity because how they see themselves is tied to their gpa we pray with our child point them back to the love of god let them know that we can trust him it's going to be okay when we're out in creation with our kids, whether it be Pike Lake, whether it be South Dakota, whether it be wherever it may be, we point it back to them that God, in his great love, created all of this for our enjoyment, for their enjoyment. Around our dinner table, when we pray for the foreign missionaries who we have up on our kitchen wall, we pray for them and we pray that they would be able to show and tell God's love to those that they encounter day in and day out. Same could be said for all of us locally here as missionaries. See, love as the basis of bringing our children up in the training and the instruction of the Lord is vital because our society is continuing to fracture more and more, become more and more narcissistic, become more and more where we can't even agree to disagree yet respect an opinion that's different from our own. We automatically label the other side wrong, stupid, unintelligent, whatever, and we want nothing to do with them. And yet that might not be love. See, in all the everyday circumstances of life, what we're hoping is that our kids will fear God enough that he'll hold enough weight in their life that they'll increasingly learn to love us as we love them too out of his love and that they'll increasingly learn to love others out of the love that God has shown them and then empowered them with through the Holy Spirit. We've got like 18 short years to do this, right? And none of us do it perfectly. Here's a couple quick applications I want to make. I'm going to call up the music worship team at this point. First application is use their lack of obedience to point them for their need for Jesus with your kids. So what I'm saying is when they mess up, not in a harsh way, but point them back to that. That's why they need Jesus, because mom and dad mess up too. And because of our sin, we need a Savior, Jesus Christ. Use their obedience to point them to the obedience of Jesus. When they do love and serve others out of the love of God, encourage them. Say, man, that's just like Jesus did with God the Father. Shower them with the lavished love of the Father, especially when they mess up. 
How do we learn how to do anything in life? Trial and error. Trial and error. Faith is no different. Loving God and loving others is no different. Right? So we need to be gracious with them and allow them to make their own mistakes. And then in the midst of that, love them with the love of the Father. And lastly, surround yourselves with others who have this healthy fear of God, who you can see in their lives that they love God and that they love others. I could go on and on. One of the easiest things you can do to teach your kids about the character of God, just read the scriptures with them. If you don't know what that would look like, we have Bibles for younger kids or older kids. But what we do every other night is we read the scriptures with our kids. We, we pray with our kids. And they're continually learning about God through that process. The only qualification you need to do that is read. Right? The only qualification you need to do that is to read. And lastly, pray consistently with them. In all these normal struggles that we all have, listen to them, show concern for them, and then point them past you to God the Father in prayer. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you are a good, good father. Thank you that we can trust you with our children. We pray that our hearts would not be in parenting them, that we would be parental police. We pray our hearts would not be one where anything goes. We pray our hearts would be where you would hold weight, you would hold significance and meaning in our lives to the point where our kids see how we love you out of how we love them and that they would go and do likewise. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.